Hello, and welcome to the Midnight Film Review. My name is Brian Stevens. And I'm Drew Mascherelli. Two fighters enter the ring. Only one will emerge victorious. The tournament to end all tournaments. Uh, to save Earthrealm. <laughs> was it? Is it Earthrealm? Was that what it was? Earth, Earth Earthrealm is the, the realm of Earth. Our realm in the Mortal Kombat universe. That, um... I think they should have had something, like, more creative. Like, um dick bag realm this is where all the dick bags are right I, you would have upset the uh the lore fanboys of the Mortal uh, Kombat true. series that is there's a lot of lore a lot of steeped in lore there um especially since next film we're gonna get um spoiler alert jason Voorhees is, is in that one too that makes you know i think he's a dlc character in like mortal Kombat 10 exactly yeah they put joker in mortal Kombat 11 and terminator and robocop and i think predator well those are all i think going to be in three four five and six okay it's like they're shooting them like avatar (laughs) yeah exactly oh avatar that's a movie is that still a thing is that happening oh they gotta put jake sully in mortal Kombat. jake oh dude he would kick all their asses let's just be honest they should put papa dragon (laughs) just shout out for the real (laughs) avatar heads there you go oh shit um drew let me I, before we get into the show too deep. Uh, I want to take it off the rails. You know, I uh, when I sit down, I was like, you know, what? I need something refreshing to drink. So I grabbed myself. I had got some zero sugar Minute Maid lemonade, and I had some um, iced tea. Some not fresh brewed, but like some bottled iced tea, unsweetened. And I made myself a nice little Arnold Palmer. Are you a fan of Arnold Palmers? Brian, I have a uh, half and half iced tea lemonade Arnold Palmer right next to me right now. Shut the fuck up. If I'm lying, I'm dying. Wow. Oh, that's what what a world. You know, that's that just shows how magnetic we are. We just attract each other. Just oh, we drink the same drinks. You don't get that kind of chemistry from uh, the Joe Rogan experience. I'll say that much. No, no. no. Step up, Mark Marin. <laughs> right. What the hell? So would you say that the Arnold Palmer is your favorite mocktail? I think it's just a, I mean, if you want to call it that, you know, just like a go-to staple 7-Eleven drink. Yeah. I, um, I, you know, I'm not trying to sound bougie or anything, but I make my own at home. Um, so it's probably cheaper that way. You know, it's a, it's a great choice if you're trying to cut back on drinking energy drinks every day before work. Like maybe some people on this podcast are. So (laughs) that's a, you know, I don't drink energy drinks anymore because of erectile dysfunction. Um, but I do drink a lot of coffee. Brian, let's just say uh, that's not a problem. For me. <laughs> You're this still this episode is sponsored by Blue Chew. <laughs> if you didn't know, so Red Bull gives you wings. It also gives you ED, and Arnold Palmer's um, give you erections. So there we go. Yeah, Arnold Palmer, famously a uh, Hugh Hefner type character. <laughs> For sure, for sure, strutting around with those nine irons. Wow! <laughs> All right, let's uh, let's bring this train back on the track, Drew. We've got a pretty exciting episode. We have an open discussion where you don't even know what it's about yet. I haven't dropped the bomb yet. You you literally going to tell me the day I die. He's gonna make We're going to have the discussion. Description of yeah. my death. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Uh, you and I both have a couple media hot takes, which I'm really interested to hear yours. You you sent me uh, it, it beforehand, and I watched the trailer, and I'm super intrigued. I didn't dig in, to, in depth into it. I just watched the trailer. 
deceit. No one should dig super in depth to what I'll be talking about. I'll preface with that, but we'll get there. Cool. And then, of course, if you don't know already, we're going to end with a review of Mortal Kombat! A song not featured in the film, only in the uh, Paul W.S. Anderson 1995, I want to say. The Mortal original Kombat film. The, the, the goat, right? Which I said last episode, maybe I'll watch those before this one. Audience, I did not do that. <laughs> Are we? I'm not, su- I'm not surprised, motherfucker. Not surprised. The only movie I watched in that interim was a uh, Juno. A very similar. Really? What? That's random. It was, it was a rewatch. Yeah. Uh, my girlfriend, I really go, what should we watch? I have a, I have a big DVD binder. We'll flip through the DVD. I'm very cool, Brian. Um, we'll look through my DVD binder. And I discovered I have two copies of Juno, actually. Oh, wow. One on Blu-ray, one on DVD. I got a Goodwill. Um, holds up. Holds up. Does it? Okay. All right. I was going to ask you, is that a movie? Yeah. Cause yeah, I think I've only seen it once. Um, yeah, you know, it's a, it's a classic for a reason. Interesting. Maybe I'll have to revisit it. I, I, I remember really, really liking it, but I don't really remember. You're, you're big into the coming of age stuff. I think it, it fits very well, very snugly into that. And I also for watched, sure. uh, if I can continue this off the rails very briefly, <laughs> Uh, when I was recovering from the side effects of my COVID shot, watched about the first half of Blade of the Immortal, a samurai Ooh. movie from the director of 13 Assassins, if anyone's familiar with that yeah. one. I haven't seen it. Uh, that one had a lot of notoriety, and I am excited to finish or probably just watch the rest of uh, Blade of the Immortal when I don't have a fever. Yeah, um, <laughs> there you go. <laughs> but super, super cool. The opening scene of that movie, like, there's like 300 guys who die on screen and like just Jeez. the fight choreography is so sick. Um, but yeah, going to be finishing that one soon. So I think you were saying you, you're basically saying you have a media hot take coming up next week is what you're saying. Uh, probably. Yeah. Ah, nice. Very, very nice. All right. Well, are you ready uh, to get into the show, Drew? Let's do it. Well, remember you can always email the podcast at call to pop at gmail.com. That's call with a K and uh, follow us on Facebook, facebook.com slash Call of Pop, on Twitter, at Call of Pop. Drew, I'm going to put up a a poll, right, uh, on our on our Twitter page. Um, and I'm going to ask everybody what they think we should I should name the basketball podcast that's going to be releasing next week. I have a few choices. It's hard to narrow down. Um, there's like 99,000... There's more basketball podcasts than there are movie podcasts, I think. And uh, there's every name is taken. So the barstool sports effect. Yeah, pretty much. There you go. Uh, so yeah, I'm gonna put a I'm gonna put that up on our Twitter feed so the fans can maybe decide. I think I know where we're, we're leaning with the show, but uh, not a hundred percent. The it, ringer. The the ringer. Did I miss anything? Did, I, did or did I did I cover everything? Uh, yeah, Facebook, did, email. Yeah. Did did we call it uh, Midnight Film Review or Cult of Pop at the top of the show? Now I can't it, remember. It's Midnight Film Review. It's now officially Midnight Film Review. Everything's changed. Uh, we got new artwork. Um, yeah, let us know what you think. I think we're we're on we're on track. We're back in the, we're back in the old school days now. Yeah, I I have a. Uh... Uh, an imposter complex now imposter <laughs> syndrome you know legally changing my name to colin smith i gotta remember that i gotta remember what to call you because i'll probably keep calling you drew so you're gonna have to correct me every now and then 
that's okay. I, I appreciate the effort and the respect. I don't want to um, um, misname you or, or dead name you. Rather. Thank you. Uh, let me ask you a question. Um, what did you honestly, you know, I, I asked you, but what do you think of the new artwork? I like it. I think it's uh it's very inviting. It's a, a chill vibe that I think, yeah, you know, hopefully sets the tone. I think we're relatively laid back. We don't get too, too upset over anything over here. No, no, except for this next topic uh, in the in the open discussion that we're. Oh, talk I about. can't wait. <laughs> uh, all right. So, as many of you know, the Oscars were this past Sunday, and I'm sure you've heard uh, a plethora of different opinions on. Um, why they suck? Did they suck? Nobody watched them. Uh, it was terrible. The show was bad. The Oscars have always been bad. Who cares? Um, they went woke, so they went broke. Like, there's a lot of different um, narratives around this. But Drew, I wanted to talk to you about something uh, pertaining to the Oscars, and I, I'm, I'm guessing you didn't you didn't watch the Oscars. I was following their Twitter account with mm-hmm. notifications on for that couple hour period then immediately unfollowed because i don't need to see more academy updates yeah right um but yeah i didn't watch it i hadn't seen enough this year to to really justify it you know i i have a love hate relationship with the oscars because i can't I, i'm kind of a junkie for award shows i i really do enjoy watching award shows and is as self-grandizing as they are and as you know just watching uh, industry fillet themselves over and over again. That's the exact word that was on my mind. It's, it, but I, you know, there is something about seeing your favorite actors give speeches. Frances McDormand, obviously, I just, I could, I love her speeches. They're always like so eccentric, but yet at the same time, like down to earth and sweet. She's in this a, weird a very way. good speaker, very endearing. Yeah. Um, and it's also, I always love to see like what weird shit some weird Hollywood guy is going to do, you know. I'll be honest with you, Drew. Um, watching this year's this year's presentation was, I mean, it was painful. It was one of the most painful experiences I ever had. And what really, really sucks is there was some. I mean, I, I said it. I think when we did our top ten of the year, I, I wrote it. You know, um, um, oh my gosh, her name just escaped me. Chloe Zhao. Um, is that right? Is that my singer name? Yeah, yeah the okay. director of Nomadland. Yeah. One of the best direct, you know, direction performances. I said this way before she was even nominated. I, I thought it was one of the best directed films. So unfortunate that she had to be attached to such a piss poor show. Um, you know, I thought Nomadland certainly deserved uh, all the nods. You know, Frances McDormand again winning Best Actress. I, you know, I, I will say time and time again, she's the best actor on the planet. I don't care what anybody says. Um, now that Daniel Day Lewis is of course retired. Um, but anyways, to make a long story short, they ended the show. I, yes. With the best actor, right? And not only, and I haven't seen the father and by all accounts, Anthony Hopkins performance is fabulous, but we don't really, I mean, are we really uh, at this point, do the Oscars really care about what's the best performance of the year? Do we, I mean, really, are we really rewarding the best performance? I mean, a lot of times it's just a popularity contest. I mean, how did Chadwick Boseman not win? First of all, the guy will never make a movie again. And this was probably, again, I haven't seen Ma Rainey's uh, either, but I, I've heard great things about it. And then to have Joaquin Phoenix present it and then to end the show like this, how do you feel about this from a, a younger? Um, so a lot of people were saying like this was 
they tried to make this more appealing to the younger audience and to be more human and, and more caring about issues. What, what do you think? I mean, that's kind of been their pitch for the past couple of years. There was the whole Oscars so white campaign a handful of years back, which is, you know, valid criticism of the sort of, I don't know, demographics of previous uh, best actor winners and best director winners and categories like that. Yeah. Um, so it seemed like they've tried to make a push in the direction of, I don't know, like trying to be a little more culturally sensitive, but ultimately like they're culturally sensitive in the way that like Jimmy Kimmel is where it's like, <laughs> right, Oh, this yeah. is like total posturing and like not actually like it feels so um i don't know remember that uh imagine video with gal gadot and all those other <laughs> yeah, actors yeah. it's like all shit like that where it's like people totally detached from reality and none of this is like a original what i'm saying here people have complained about this for a while um but even like you know we we've talked about nomadland a little bit on this show but and like I, I understand that people really like that. I was like kind of so so on it. I think my opinion on it has soured a little bit since I've seen it. But that like they'll like okay, Parasite won last year, Nomadland won this year, and they're like the sort of like agreeable Hollywood version of progressive politics being put into movies, where it's like. Right. Not that I think Parasite is a bad movie by any stretch. I think Parasite's pretty excellent in a lot of ways, and I think a very original story and kind of is in step with a lot of other things that Bong Joon-ho has put out. But like, I forget who Chloe Zhao's dad is, but he's some like energy uh, executive or like some scummy job. I forget what it is. (laughs) And not saying that that uh, negates like the autistic or autistic artistic merit of a movie like Nomadland. But I don't know. It's like, oh, here's a here's a movie about homelessness and how awesome it is to work at Amazon <laughs> from somebody who's like has no idea what that's like and an entire crew of people except for like the like actors in that movie who were who like did live that lifestyle. But I talked to a couple people um that I do know who have like experienced like homelessness and stuff in their life that that movie kind of touches on. And they were they had a way lower opinion of it than I did. And I know I'm kind of like going off on just Nomadland here. <laughs> it's but fine. I think it's a it's a wider thing about the Oscars where their idea of like, oh, here's what here's what young people want is like it's not really that at all. Um and like the the Chadwick Boseman thing, like that sucks. Um I from what I understand of the situation, it's like the producers of the show kind of set the order of things and they anticipated him winning in the Academy vote. But like, why can't the producers of the show know the winners? Like that feels like right. this, like we're not, this is not like a, an election here. These are not as precious as people pretend they are like Oscars. Like ultimately these don't matter. It would be way better to like spoil the surprise for the people who run the show. Um, <laughs> then to, have like such an embarrassing situation like this and it wasn't even that long that like the moonlight la la land exactly thing right like, yeah it is insane how much they have screwed up like very avoidable things it's like god 
I don't know. It's overall, I think they have slowly been losing it over time. And granted, like I didn't keep up with the Oscars super closely until like 2015. Um, and I didn't watch last year's uh, show either, but whatever. Award shows are lame. Uh, you should just watch movies that you think look good instead of like, oh, I should watch uh, another round with Mads Mikkelsen. Sure, it's a great <laughs> movie. Not saying anything. Uh, or like, oh, I I need to watch Minari. Like so many people have been online like, oh, you, you need to watch this movie. And then people I know have seen it like, yeah, it's okay. And I feel like that's how it goes every year for the Oscars. Yeah, so at this point, exactly. I'm kind of checked out from like feeling like I need to to see everything that they nominate because more often than not like they nominate the fucking joker like, <laughs> like these are not sacred in the way that people pretend they are well one one thing that I, yeah i totally agree with what you're saying too it's not it's it's not as sacred as, as they they act like it is but the other thing to remember and and this is kind of why i wanted to bring it up and it's kind of like frustrating to me is like historically comedies horror some sci-fi it's you know debatable saying that sci-fi has been nominated but some basically any genre filmmaking is just categorically like refuted by the academy right it's just if you make those films nine times out of ten you're not going to see them uh, and the ones on they the do nominate are like the most Oscar safe ones to like movies like get out and arrival both got nominated for bet like both movies that I think are fantastic, but it's like, were those really like, there's probably a better like socially conscious horror movie that can't like, I don't know. Um, but it's also like with those movies though, the thing about it is they got, they didn't win. They were nominated and it was like almost like that's true. Yeah. To appease the uproar or with get out. It was to appease uh, the black audience in a way or like, look, we, you know, we're hip. We're, we're nominating get out. But in and, a way that's like, so pandering and kind exactly, of, uh, yeah. Yeah. It like, obviously I am not part of that demographic. Um, but yeah, it, it, it feels very like, oh, yeah, we know. We know what you people want. Um, exactly. And it's just all these, like, rich, mostly white uh, the Hollywood millionaires saying that. The, the other thing that I will say about this is, you know, um, it, I, I've said this for a, a long time. And um, hopefully people hear what I'm saying and understand what I'm saying and it doesn't come off the wrong way. Is But I don't necessarily blame the oscars for being so white because i've said this a long time there the hollywood needs to do a better job of, yeah and we've talked about that on here too that's i'm not exclusively blaming the academy no no i i the record no no yeah. for sure but I, it's just like i look at some of these great filmmakers like carl franklin i somebody i could talk about all day he's basically got to make four films and two of which are in my mind almost masterpieces like you know, if you ask people what's Denzel Washington's best performance, you know, they'll say Training Day, they'll say Fences, they'll say whatever. Devil in a Blue Dress is never brought up. And 
because it was early 90s Denzel and Carl Franklin is no one knows who he is but he's one of the best directors who just oh happens to be black and he's never been nominated he never got the clout that he deserved and that's the kind of stuff that pisses me off you know Spike Lee because he's loud and obnoxious and a pretty good filmmaker gets a lot of clout right and people get upset when he's not nominated but there are so many other that's why the Barry Jenkins things I think was so I thought we were like hey we're moving in the right direction right like that to me is an opportunity like barry jenkins being able to make moonlight it winning and you know him getting uh, a best director like that that was one of the few times that it felt like the oscars really got it right that that was in my opinion uh it wasn't my favorite film of the year but to my opinion it was the best directed and best movie of the year like i was la la land seemed like when it said when they said La La Land, it was like, oh yeah, that's that sounds like the Oscars, right? That's what the Oscars was, would do is give it to La La Land. But then we like, oh, it's it's Moonlight, and it felt like at that point, like, oh, you know what? Maybe they are getting it right. It has nothing to do with you know Barry Jenkins being black or being an all black cast or even about homosexuality or anything, quote unquote woke. That movie was the best movie in my opinion, directed, acted, edited, score. Like that was overall my best picture. I don't have any yeah, and I, qualms I with think that. it's yeah it's important to me to 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 make note of the fact that that is a like clearly Barry Jenkins is telling a a story about like African Americans in that movie it is a, a movie about like the black experience but it's also it's a movie about the black experience that isn't set it's not like 12 years a slave like it feels like the exactly. Oscars love yeah, looking it, at right. like oh here's here's the trial of the Chicago seven or like these very, it's like, Oh, movies that, that are bring up these issues and they're important issues to bring up, like make no mistake about that. But there are so many performances by uh, black actors and actresses that aren't, that don't, I'm trying to think of the way to say this. That isn't just like, Oh, me, a white guy, like speaking for other people. Um, but but movies about blackness that aren't sort of like made for a white audience to obviously look and be like, oh, yeah, wow, slavery was terrible. Like, yeah, no shit. Slavery was terrible. We fought a war of, over this in like mm-hmm. the 1860s. Like this is not new to anyone. And there are interesting stories that don't necessarily have to be modern either, like Moonlight. Like that, that's not what I'm saying either. But yeah. there is a such a, a diversity of experiences that it like. Why is it that every Oscar movie, for the most part, that uh, black actors win for or that win Best Picture are exclusively rooted in, like, these historical uh, acts of, like, grand racism? Yeah, right. Like, whether it's Jim Crow laws or or civil rights movement, like, um, or you mentioned the the, the blight of American history, slavery, mm-hmm. like... Obviously, you mentioned those are very important topics, but, you know, I, I'm going to go back to like somebody like Spike Lee, who I, you know, I have a, a love hate relationship with Spike Lee. Like some of his movies I absolutely love. Other ones I'm just annoyed by. But I go back to 1995's Clockers. Have you ever seen Clockers? I have not. It's one, in my opinion, it's probably one of his, it's definitely one of his five best, you know, films in my, in my opinion. But it didn't get nominated for shit, and I. It's like th- there's movies out there that. Uh, and and the, and the thing is, is like Clockers is not 
it's about a drug dealer in Brooklyn and he's trapped between uh detectives and uh and his uh his drug boss, right? And it, it's just it's a it, to me it's an interesting look at the life of uh mid nineties black man in Brooklyn, right? That, I mean, that's what it's about. Yeah, or other that, movies that he's done, like Do the Right Thing, which or, I, or, yeah, definitely like, received more, like, critical acclaim. Yeah. But isn't about, like, segregation, like we were just talking about. It is, a, like, at the time, a modern look at, like, the black experience in America. And at the time, was, like, very cutting edge and, like, at the, at the, like, spearhead of culture, I guess. Right, and you could say the same thing, uh, you know, about, you know, Minari, Minari, is that how you say it, Minari, Minari? I believe so. Uh, you know, I haven't seen it, but it, by all accounts, it's a sweet film, and it's, it, it's, but it's, it's not, it, it got nominated, and it's almost like, oh, well, look, it got nominated, like, you should be happy, but it's like, really, that should, should, should we be happy just because, just to be, it's basically like, just be happy you're at the party, you didn't win, Chadwick Boseman didn't win. It, it that just I don't know the, the whole it, the whole reason I brought it up is because at the end it just felt like the most Oscar thing to do was let's give the ninety year old white man Anthony Hopkins the award and has he won before? Uh, I think he won for best supporting for Silence of the Lambs, but I don't. You know what? You might be right. I don't know if he won. That might have been his. Um, career achievement Oscar that they like to give out right when they've ignored other performances yeah um I don't know I mean that's a good question Anthony Hopkins like oh sorry no I was gonna say I was I just I'll look at I'll look up and see what he's won yeah and at this point like not, again not that Oscars matter but like what's a, a it's across the board always a symbolic gesture but what is a, a more important symbolic gesture to give like oh here's the dying old white man who's been in the industry forever or like Chadwick Boseman, who I haven't really seen that many films he's been in, in fairness, but you know, the, the shocking news of his death and like the story of what he put himself through going through with colon cancer. Correct. Yeah. Yep. Um, just like an unimaginably challenging time in his life to, you know, create, films that were important to a lot of people like black panther was a very significant cultural moment for a lot of people in uh, across the world um like that that movie i think in the grand scheme of things was uh, a very important big step even if like whatever i've talked extensively about like no give a shit about marvel but you know it is the the most valuable entertainment franchise in the world right now. Mm -hmm. Um, and I, I think it's worth recognizing when stuff like that happens and, you know, recognizing the experience that he went through at that time and ended up passing away from in a, a death that rocked a lot of people and that a lot of people were, um, upset by the news of, and be like, Oh yeah, sure. Sir Anthony Hopkins. <laughs> who, who, by the way, did win best actor for silence of the lamb. So it wasn't a supporting Roy. He got oh yeah. Then like, fuck that guy like no offense yeah <laughs> like, no i'm with you you've had your turn man like it yeah it, it, it's one of the, and it's like again you know uh, these are these awards mean literally nothing right they they don't mean anything in the scope of of anything but how you know like rewarding 
Chadwick Boseman's family, it really, in my opinion, and apparently I didn't get to listen to any of them, but he had won almost everything in the award circuit uh, leading up to this. And the the speech that his um, wife and family were giving was like so powerful and moving. People were just saying like, this is like, you know, they're basically using his death to inform the black community about colon cancer because it's an epidemic and people don't get checked and there's it's like his death can literally lead to saving lives and they're utilizing this uh, this platform and to me that's like more important than some award like i, I it's just giving them a platform to to speak and I, I just it you you nailed it like on the head is like you if if he played a character in the black panther which is the first black superhero to ever basically set foot in in a major uh, superhero movie right which they also symbolically nominated for best picture right yeah exactly that was another like pat on the back like good job look what we did we got a black panther in here uh but the thing about it is, is like you know he was they tapped him to kind of be the leader he was going to be the leader of the new avengers right he was going to be the main character he was going to be the iron man and the captain america whatever and you know his death obviously was terrible and it's it like it's one of those things where it's like, man, it just sucks, right? But he also had like a great performance in The Five Bloods. Like, 20- yeah, that's true. I totally forgot to even think about that. You know, Twenty One Bridges, not a great movie, but he's awesome in it. Like, I just, it just, he's not going to get a chance to get nominated again. And it's like, I just feel like this is another opportunity that once again the Academy dropped. You want young audiences, you know, they they instead of honoring Chadwick Boseman, they have Glenn Close singing The Butt. You know, and it's just like you you are failing hardcore. And it should be mentioned just because I kind of don't like the man or his movies that much. But this was produced by Steven Soderbergh. So not that he had any choice in who won the awards, but he definitely had a choice in how the order lined up. And um, also the stupid skits and gimmicks in between. So uh, I just I kind of wanted a uh, Generation Z's uh, outlook on 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 the Oscars and what what you what you thought and I know you, you you're not a fan of the award shows either but what do you think that they could do to improve in the future what could, a... what could what could they do to make a Drew Mascarelli someone who loves film you love movies what could they do to make you watch yeah i mean i guess uh, a big reason why i was so tuned out this year is like the the pandemic obviously kind of led to me missing basically everything noteworthy that came out. It's like, I'm not going to watch that at home. Like that'd have to be something that, Oh, they're doing the Oscar run for the theaters. So I got to go buy a ticket and actually like sit down in the theaters and watch something. I otherwise probably wouldn't have the attention span for at home. Like if the father was playing at the, the showcase near me, it's like, Oh, you know, it's Tuesday, $5 tickets with the rewards card. I'll go see that. But when I have the sort of like breadth of everything, yeah, uh, at my fingertips it's like why would i um but i guess getting back to the question it's it's kind of tough because i think the the format of award shows is becoming even more outdated and the oscars have always been so like it's only a couple of years ago where there's the whole like steven spielberg netflix thing which i guess this year is like totally been like all right fuck off steven like <laughs> yeah you made ready player one like shut the fuck up please (laughs) um i mean i guess like hopefully if i'm able to start seeing more things in theaters that'll 
lead to me being more tuned in but i guess just a a recognition of a more diverse uh group of films it's always like oh here are the 15 movies that get nominated for every single category very few of them are international um and like parasite last year was like a that was a big deal it's like oh wow this like fully korean produced movie won best picture and that was significant because they never do that they'll nominate like oh here's a a nod for roma yeah um, right, or yeah. something like that like occasionally do that whole pat on the back uh routine but yeah i think just a a, a wider breadth of films that they recognize and maybe not being afraid to like uh sort of recognize more obscure or uh genre movies which they'll never do um like fully recognizing that that is something that the academy would 100 percent never do um but yeah i guess like over time my tastes have changed too and i'm I guess a little less interested. Like if La La Land came out today, would I really be like, oh, fuck, I got to see La La Land. (laughs) Um, But yeah, no, I don't know. It's it all feels a little outdated. um, And as we've said a million times, like arbitrary. And at the end of the day, none of it really matters. But, you know, maybe maybe next year. Missed the last two. So I'm out of the habit now. But so you're basically saying there's probably nothing they could do to make you tune in 100% or not to like be excited I mean I guess if there was a, a movie that came out that I was like oh my god I'm absolutely floored by this and there have been in the past like a movie like Manchester by the Sea like mm-hmm. something I absolutely adored gets nominated for best picture I'm like oh it's not gonna win but I'm gonna watch you know like here's something that I really enjoyed and that's been uh, the case most years honestly like there's always one thing I'm like oh that was like really fantastic I hope that wins last year um, I forget what else was nominated other than Parasite. My uh, my memory of immediate pre-COVID world is pretty uh, <laughs> foggy at this point. But yeah, like that's always exciting. That I didn't really have that this year. Like I really like Promising Young Woman, um, Nomadland. What else got nominated this year? Sound of Sound of Metal. Oh, got Sound nominated. of Metal was yeah, fantastic. Um. And that's the thing. They did nominate. They did not. Again, it was one of those things like they did nominate good, in my opinion, good films. And, and, you know, uh, they, they, they did right by, I think the majority of the films at least Palm Springs didn't get nominated, which I thought was kind of surprising. I know you didn't love it as much as I did, but I, um, I at least thought it would get, uh, a script, uh, like original screenplay, yeah, so something like that. Um, if it were Andy Samberg taking home the final award, I don't think we'd be having this conversation, Brian. <laughs> That's true. Yeah, exactly. I agree. I, the only okay, so my this is my opinion, and then I want to move on because I'm tired of talking about the Oscars too. I, I think this year might have just like ended it for me, honestly. Um, and hey, maybe you know, it, maybe they can redeem themselves in the future. But I, I really think that they need to look at genre filmmaking. They need to look. Um, and see, you know, not, I I don't care about box office. I don't care about critic reviews, but honestly, like what movies matter to people who love film? Because those are the people who are tuning in, right? I mean, I'm sorry, but 90% of people watching the Oscars haven't seen a lot of these movies, right? Like, and they They just want to see all the pedophiles in the audience. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) You know, and the other thing I'll say is I do think there was a solid done this year. 
because Mank didn't win Best Picture. And I was like, I swear to God, if Mank wins Best Picture, I will never watch the Oscars again. But that just felt like something that they would do. Um, there is a God. <laughs> right. Um, so I guess we can talk uh, uh, about uh, the Oscars next year. Maybe it'll be a little different. Hopefully this year's movie. Go- and I'm with you about going to the theater, too. I would be much more willing to see The Father, Minari, all those movies in a theater. It's, it's It makes it just a little bit easier than watching it at home. Um, all right, Drew. Let's uh, let's move on from open discussion. Thank you for for um, not getting upset with me surprising you with that one. I love surprises, Brian. Oh, okay. Hold well, uh, after we're done, go check your mailbox. Um, oh no, <laughs> you have a very interesting media hot take. So I'm going to go first, and I want to let you close it out because uh, sure. I want to hear more, and I think the audience want to hear maybe more about your media hot take than mine. So I wanted to talk a little bit about. Uh, Falcon and the Winter Soldier, which was released on Disney Plus. Uh, for those Marvel heads out there, it's Anthony Mackie as the Falcon, Sebastian Stane as Bucky Barnes, uh, Wyatt Russell as John Walker, Aaron Kellyman as Carly Morgenthau, and those are pretty much the main players, right? Uh, uh, Daniel Bruhl comes back as Baron von Zoom Zemo, uh, which. <clears throat> Is by the way, I don't know. Is one of my favorite Marvel villains from growing He's up. He's the guy from uh, 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 Civil War, right? Yes. Yep. Yep. Absolutely. The crying guy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> the crying guy. Yes. Um. So initially, I like. I'm gonna say this. This was six episodes. It was directed by Carrie Scoglin, um, and it was written by Ed Brubaker. Um, and Gene Col Gene Colon Colon I think it uh, Colin it's C O L A N I uh, hopefully I'm saying his name right Excuse me um and I, here's the thing I was like talking back and forth with uh with Colin um and he really loved this show and we talked about it and I I you know I'll be honest with you Drew I didn't love WandaVision I thought it had the essence of a good show but I thought in the end it was kind of just a semi semi flop um, I was looking forward to this because I thought it had potential. I love Anthony Mackie, and I think that um, the character of of Bucky Barnes, uh, the Winter Soldier, is an interesting character. Sebastian Stan is a good actor. And then Wyatt Russell um, as John Walker, I thought his, the, his take on Cap, being the new Captain America could be interesting. And could be interesting. And, you know, I was like kind of blown away by the writing. This was some really, 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 really good writing. Um, and I, it, 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 I'm trying to think of the right way to put this. Um, the, it, the nuance of the story and there's a very, uh, well layered racial justice, um, angle in here that works really, really well. Like they handle, like, it's not like pounding you over the head but there is some really really interesting like racial um injustice just just following like what it means to be black and and take over for captain america right like those ideas uh what is what does the stars and stripes mean to a black man kind of right um they did a really really good job and the pacing of the show was terrific um and there is some Bucky slash John Walker PTSD stuff that I felt like they could have explored a little more. I thought the villain villain was interesting enough, 
But Drew, I have bad news. Oh no. The final episode was a complete shit fest. And it was That's so what I've heard. frustrating. They did so much work in the first five episodes, building, like I said, this racial injustice stuff, really making it uh, an internal struggle that you felt for Anthony Mackie's character, the Falcon, and Sam, who, he, you know, like, do I, am I taking on my country's uh, terrible history by by carrying the shield or am I paving the way for something new? Like there's just this great stuff here. And I mentioned the PTSD stuff. Like they could have dug in a little bit deeper on that, but it was interesting to me. And then the final episode is just a big fight. And then, and then Anthony Mackie, spoiler alert, gives this soliloquy in the middle of the street to senators about, you know, how they've abused, um, the people of the world and the, 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 um, they're going to get their comeuppance if they don't change their ways. It was like the most ham-fisted thing. There was so much nuance and so much skill it felt throughout the entire uh, season to get to this point to just kind of like put a turd on screen. I was just I was blown away by how how terrible it was. And I had read articles that it was a lot darker and um, was a little bit longer. And they reshot some stuff and did some tweaks. And I'm just like. So I was just really disappointed, man. Uh, I think it's worth a watch, and especially if you enjoyed, you know, Captain America and Winter Soldier and all that. And it, it's some of the best like storytelling through the first five episodes of any Marvel stuff. Like it's on par with any of the movies. It's on par. The, the action's terrific. Uh, there's some really good action scenes with the Falcon, just the way they utilize the suit, and they just do they do a really good job of of action in, in this. But God, what a just a turd they put on screen i'm just I'm, I'm i'm really more annoyed because they had this awesome angle and they had this just a crappy follow-through but i have a uh, specific question yeah. about <clears throat> this show based off of a discussion on another podcast i heard just a one of those podcasts where i just kind of listen to every episode regardless of the content um because yeah. i like the hosts and i work a lot and listen to a lot of podcasts at work um but they mentioned a a plot detail where the new Captain America, I U.S. agent, correct? They're calling him. That's um, post post. He, he's no longer the Captain America at the end of the show. Spoiler alert! Uh, and he is called the U.S. agent. That's like okay. his new name. Yeah. Um, but that he uh, kills a guy. He's recorded on like cell phone killing a guy with the shield, and there's like, hey, maybe he shouldn't have done that. And they kind of gloss over it pretty quickly, as far as I understand. Yeah. So here's the issue, right? So weird. <laughs> that so, is strange. Yeah. Okay. So at the end of episode five, he had. I think it's episode four. Episode four or five. I can't remember now. But at the end of the episode, he's basically. So what happens is the bad guys kill his right hand man, his best friend, like murder him in front of him. So he chases one of them down and he beats him to death in the street with the sh- with the shield. And yeah, everybody's watching. And so they cut to, they have to strip him of the shield and he goes before Congress or some tribunal or something. And they basically were like, you know, you did this, you gave us a bad name. We're taking the shield from you. And then that's it. <laughs> and then he shows and up like, and he's on screen. redeemed by the end. Yeah, that was the strange thing is he's like then he's at the end of the movie he's helping Bucky and Sam fight the bad guys again and it just it was that's the kind of the other thing is like 
that you had this opportunity with this character to make him somewhat of a vigilante. You feel for the character, right? Like it's not like he's a he's this black and white. It's not like he's black and white bad guy, right? Like oh, he what he did was just. I mean, he killed a murderer, right? I mean, obviously that's not exactly what we want to see from our Captain America is murdering someone in the street. Like we obviously, right? You catch him, you take him to jail, you get him tried for his crimes, right? That's the idea. That's what mm-hmm. you want. But at the same time, it's like. He killed his best friend. Like, if someone killed you in front of me, I mean, what? Well, how would I? How would I react to it? Like, you you put yourself in those shoes. Like, right? He's not this terrible person. He's dealing with traumatic things from his past. He feels betrayed by his country because he he says like I had to do a lot of bad things to to people um, to get these purple hearts. He's like got three purple hearts or something, and he he says that, and it's like basically he feels bad for the things he's done but he sees it as a way to make the world a better place right he's he's got it's there's a nuance there to this character that in the end they just don't follow through with and you're just like what like what was the purpose of these first five episodes of building this character up like and seeing him deal with these demons inside and fighting the struggle right and it's just like for nothing for absolutely yeah and like that i bring that up because that is such a strange image to evoke um you know given current events and you know this show was coming out during like the the Derek Chauvin trial and like the Mm -hmm. the tensions around stuff like that and I'm I'm not saying that they're trying to make some like wider political statement about boat policing in America but like that had that's a very specific decision you make to have the scene play out in that way and to like have the character go in that direction and seems maybe a little tone deaf but especially like you said i mean if you're if you're trying to say something fine then say it like i'm all for it or you know go a certain way with it but don't backpedal the very next episode or at least don't you know what i mean like the all nuance is thrown out the window and it just i the i'm i'm telling you the last episode is just it's it was like watching a completely different different show. Like I was like a shell of myself. Like what am I what am I watching? Why am I doing this? This is terrible. Um, but anyways, yeah, that's my take on the Falcon and the Winter Soldier. Drew, what's your media hot take? I would like to talk about a game I played recently called Before Your Eyes, which I told you last night to watch the trailer of because it is a conceptually difficult thing to wrap your head around um i guess the i don't know that i still understand by the way like i I have questions for sure yeah so so i'll do the best i can to briefly explain and then if you have any questions you can ask me after um it is best if i stay very vague on plot details but it is a very narrative heavy it's basically watching a movie. There's not a lot of gameplay here. Um, but the game opens and you're in the afterlife from the first person talking to this uh, coyote, this like anthropomorphic coyote who's ushering you into the afterlife. So you've passed away and this is where you've ended up. And he's like, okay, yeah, you're going to tell me your entire life story. And then uh, the the gatekeeper who he keeps alluding to is going to like decide whether or not you're worthy into coming into like what the game essentially is it it's heaven they don't call it heaven they have like a very strange uh mythology and if uh, she doesn't like the story then you're forced to stay here in purgatory and you become a seagull not particularly important to the game but that's sort of the lore that they set up here and then you're watching 
and kind of loosely interacting with this character's life. But the main mechanic and the main uh, control input you use is blinking. The game uses your webcam and every scene uh, lasts as long as you can keep your eyes open. Then every time you blink, it flashes forward in time further into this person's life. Sometimes it's later that day. Sometimes it's two years later. Um, and there, the end of the game, uh, it, I was very invested in the story, but it wasn't like becoming super emotional. And within like three seconds, it, one character starts speaking and you realize what they're doing and just immediate tears, um, affected me in a way that really, I don't think a game has ever affected me and a movie hasn't in a very long time. Um, just like the hardest I've cried at any piece of media in a very long time, uh, in the final moments of this game, it's, uh, worth checking out. It's very inexpensive on steam. It's like 10 or $12. Um, takes like an hour and a half to get through Uh pretty brief. I think like the final minute count on steam for me was like 80 minutes. Um, could run on basically any computer. And it's the first game I've played in a while where it's like, Oh, I, anyone could play this. If you're not, necessarily a video game player i don't think there's like it's impossible for you to get stuck in this game because you can always just blink and you're on to the next thing um but yeah i it is something that i think everyone should check out it is a story that could only be told in this way and i think that mechanic is just so so interesting and uh what they do narratively i think is absolutely heartbreaking um but also just the sort of metaphor of blinking and all of a sudden you're three years later in your life and you've like you're reminiscing on the things you fucked up. It's like God, such a, a perfect execution on so the the mechanic executes perfectly on sort of like those themes. So my biggest question here is if I accidentally blink, will does it like speed up or are there or the, do you have to look at a certain place? Is there some kind of built-in mechanic so that I don't accidentally blink a lot and then skip a lot of the narrative? No, but it that's kind of intentional. Um, you'll never really miss any like core story elements. And I think once you get into the groove of it, you're like very focused on when you're blinking. Okay. Um, and there's like a couple scenes that play on a little bit longer. But there is some like interaction you can do with the environment with your mouse. And when you're doing some of it, uh, it'll pause the blinking mechanic so you can like actually get through what you're doing. And it, it does let some scenes play out longer. Um, but yeah, if you accidentally blink, obviously it'll it'll fast forward some, but you're never missing like essential information. When it needs you to know something, it, it makes sure you knows it. You know it. Okay, that's good. Cause I I was like thinking like, man, I I you blink without thinking, right? And I guess that's kind of the idea here. But yeah. I could just see myself blinking uncontrollably because I'm not supposed to blink, and then I'd miss all this stuff, and it would just piss me off, and then I would get upset. But you're telling me that's not the case, so yeah, it's not the case, and I I don't want to give too much of it away. No, but don't. Yeah, please. I, I actually, yeah, I really, you, I you definitely don't miss much in the sort of resolution of it all isn't really hindered by you not having the full picture of everything that happened just you having like the 
the general idea of what this person's life has been and that you've like sort of soaked in the mood of the whole thing. I think that's the most important part. And okay. And how did you play this game? Uh, PC. It is PC only. Um, it could again run on pretty much anything. It's on Steam. Um, so you know, people out there don't have a Steam account. You'd have to make one to download this. And I also like some people might feel kind of weird about it, staring at them the entire time through the webcam. You can play it by like advancing the story with the space bar, but I think that is not the way to do it. I didn't play it that way. I think you'd probably be missing out on what I think makes it so special and how it kind of forces you to um, miss out on things like, okay, I have no choice. I have to blink. My eyes are like watering right now. And then the parts where I think the game knows exactly when you're about to cry. Cause then it's like, okay, don't even worry about blinking. We're just going to let this play through. And actually in that scene, God, I, it is just such interesting game design. Um, every time you blink, it's sort of flashing between two different characters saying the same thing so you like hear this entire monologue but two different characters are saying it and thematically in the story it uh you know totally makes sense i get that it it, it's people have to see it uh i think to totally get what it does so special you couldn't like watch a video of it people have posted full let's plays online but i think you're sort of selling yourself short of the entire experience if you go about uh seeing through to the end that way um but it like i I need more people to check it out. I feel like it's also been sort of ignored through a lot of um, games press too. I keep up with a lot of different like gaming outlets and their podcasts and only one of them mentioned this and they were all uh, in complete adoration of it. So it's something that I think people need to check out and is a, uh, a very special and unique story that is told in a way that I've never experienced before. I definitely am going to play this game. It seems right up my alley and it also... I... Sorry, go ahead. I it is a hundred percent worth like doing a bonus episode on. I think if if you play it and enjoy it, because I there's so many there are so many specific parts that I want to talk about. Okay, that's that that might be a plate. I mean, I don't we don't really have anything for next week, so um, that might be an option. We'll, yeah, I would we'll I would just, love to talk about it with you. We'll we'll discuss later. That's yes. A, yeah. Sorry to jump that on you. No, 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 no. I want to play it, and it definitely seems like it would be right in my alley. It seems like the type of thing that I love. You know, I love those story driven games. So let's uh, we'll talk we'll talk about it. Um, all right. Well, I think that's it for media hot takes. I am. Let me just say, Drew. I am ambivalent about this review of Mortal Kombat. I'm really interested to hear your thoughts on it. I, uh, I, I'm going to start this off with a little bit. I think we should talk about our relationship, not necessarily to the movie franchise, but to the video game. Uh, because this video game came out, and this is going to date me, when I was in middle school. And I remember playing it on Sega Genesis uh, and making fun of those who had to play it on Nintendo because there was you no just got the gray sweat in that game. You don't have all the blood. You don't have all the blood. And I just remember we would have tournaments. And to be honest with you, I was never really good at Mortal Kombat. We'd go to the arcade and play. I was never one of the ones that was staying on the game playing. You know, you, the winner would stay, and then whoever was uh, up next would get a chance to take King of the Hill, right? I, I was never that good, but I 
loved the games. It was one of the first real fighting games that I got into, and um, I, I I'll say I, I am surprised that it took so long to get a Mortal Kombat remake. Right? I mean, this game has been epically popular for the last. 15 years it, it's it, i mean it's been popular since i was in middle school but it's had like a rebirth over the last 15 years and um you, i think especially um sorry to interrupt you but like especially with the last three games i think it's reestablished its footing because like there was the weird era of like the 3d fighter mortal Kombat games yeah. like mortal Kombat deception and then whatever the uh it was like the shaolin monks game um which is like a 3d action game and they kind of broadened what mortal Kombat could be um but the the last three games at least according to like hardcore mortal Kombat fighting game people uh those last three games are like some of the best uh that they've put out uh especially um what people have said about 11 the most recent game people seem to be red hot on that one yeah yeah exactly but yeah so anyways i'm just kind of surprised it took this much time to get money behind something and uh, this movie did fairly well at the box office. I, I mean, considering we're still in a pandemic and not everybody has all their uh, vaccines and, you know, not all theaters are open. But it, it did $51 million worldwide in 23 domestic here. So that's kind of that's kind of surprising, honestly. Um, I, that kind of, to me, points that if this was a wide release, and obviously there's not a lot going on, so people who are going to the movies are going to see it, but it, it probably would have hit 100 mil. Honestly, um, if things were normal. Um, yeah, watching it, that's what I was thinking. Like, if this had come out in a regular theatrical year, would this be a movie that people actually went out and saw? It's like, I feel like it would probably have been a flop, and maybe people are just so hungry for, like, okay, what's the next blockbuster? Yeah, you could and be just right. now people are, like, starting to be able to go to the movies, and this is kind of the only thing out you could be right because it doesn't have any big names attached to it right there there might be a couple actors who you recognize um but there's not like there's that big name like even even a semi big name right not even like a a medium name is attached yeah to this, and like right? you compare this to like the assassin's creed movie that michael fassbender yeah, was in right exactly like that bombed or like warcraft bombed and you know a lot of these video game movies that come out now um tend to do pretty poorly so you know we'll never know obviously but it would be interesting to see in an alternate universe how this movie actually did competing with whatever else would be out right now yeah that's a great point and i'm with you uh on that i i and uh what is so what is your relationship did you play the original are you have you played the games are you do you like the games how do you feel about it a little bit um I think I had the uh, the first of the the new Mortal Kombat trilogy. It's like nine, ten, and eleven. I think I had that on Xbox 360. There was the um, Injustice games, the uh, mm-hmm. DC fighting games from NetherRealm. It was just like a Mortal Kombat game with DC character skins on it. That I played that more than uh, any of the Mortal Kombat games. But <laughs> uh, yesterday, I was like, oh. You know, just browsing through the sales section on the PlayStation Store, like Mortal Kombat 11 with all the DLC is $30. Yeah. And I did buy it. So I think I'm a 
I, I heard enough people say like, hey, if you at least tolerated the story in Mortal Kombat, the movie 2021, then like the story modes in the most recent games, like totally blow that out of the water. And I was like, you know, I do kind of want to see more of this universe and I'm not super well versed in the 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 lore of the games um, mm. as much as I'd like to be. And it's like, you know, I can I can see myself getting into a fighting game right now. I'm I'm kind of hungry for a game to really sink my teeth into. And I think that's going to be it. And so let me segue into this. How do you feel about this movie? Spoiler free. And then we will jump into spoilers in, in just a minute. It's OK. <laughs> um, <laughs> it's it has such a weird um it part of it feels very much like oh this is a a movie that would have come out in 2005 and would have made like a shit ton of money <laughs> yeah but with a lot of the like quippiness and humor of blockbuster movies now like the entire jacks uh, not jacks um the australian guy um, kano 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 like it's like oh you're you're harry potter mate and like making all those jokes um it's like I like thought that was kind of exhausting. Um, I thought the fight choreography overall was super solid. Like the the editing, I think in the fight scenes themselves uh, kept it pretty clear. Like, OK, here's what's happening. And it wasn't ever like jarring going from shot to shot. Like, OK, where are we now? Um, like it all felt very fluid in that way. And most of this movie is people fighting each other. So, you know works well for that it was kind of every time there was a uh, uh a reference to like the game's announcer which happened more frequently than not where it's like uh flawless victory for shokan or like whatever that yeah. character's name is yeah. like it's like this is so silly um it'll be like oh fatality it's like that's kind of stupid and the arcana thing which as far as i'm oh is that spoilers yeah let's, let's yeah okay we'll definitely okay um, yeah, overall, if you got HBO Max, you could do worse than Mortal Kombat. It's a, a fun enough time, even if you don't really know anything about Mortal Kombat. Fun gore, I guess. I, so I am with you um, probably 85% of the way. I think that the lack of a big name in this or a lack of a, a star, and I don't mean like... I'm trying to think of the right way to put this. There's no one on screen that's really charismatic or that you're drawn to, right? And the fact that there's so many characters and they they, they want uh, – I guess I should have read the cast. But the the cast breakdown is humongous. But Louis Tan, who uh, plays Cole Young, he's been in a lot of stuff. He was Shatterstar in Deadpool 2. He was in Woo Assassins. And he's he's done he's done some some work in Hollywood. He's a stunt guy though. Yeah. Yeah, yes, you're right. Uh, he and then the uh, Sonya Blade, uh, Jesse McNamee, McNamee, Jessica McNamee. Um, she's she was in the Meg. She was in the Val. She's been in movies as well. But th- there's no real star or even really anybody who's really just steals acting wise, right? Yeah. And no. and you mentioned the dialogue. The dialogue is really cringeworthy. Um, and the plot isn't bad. Like the story is interesting. I, I don't mind the story. I think that, um, they adapted it in a way that made it 
work. It's it's kind of hard to do uh, a tournament style fighting game on the big screen, right? You have to do almost like a blood sport, right? Yeah. I mean, worth noting, we do not get to see the Mortal Kombat tournament in this movie. This is what <laughs> right. leads to the Mortal Kombat tournament and apparently this is written as a trilogy where the second movie is the tournament then the third movie is the aftermath of the tournament but a little bit uh deceiving there i was gonna say it doesn't feel it it doesn't it just it feels like a prologue or an act one and that's probably my biggest knock on it i i didn't hate it i enjoyed it um I'm going to steal from Johnny Olick. I mean, why would I pick these names that I can't say? Olick Zinsky. Olick Zinsky, who is a New York Post film critic. And he says, the action film is as unpretentious as Charlie Sheen eating a Krispy Kreme donut at Six Flags. In short, it's blissfully dumb entertainment, but is wholly enjoyable to watch. And I... That's how I feel about the film. I, it's not groundbreaking cinema. The fight choreography is fine. It's nothing that's going to blow you away. The violence. Hey, this isn't the raid, but right, exactly. the The gore is, I think, befitting. Like, there's gore that I don't have a problem with. Um, the plot is fine. Um, the dialogue's terrible. Uh, I didn't. I didn't hate watch it. I enjoyed it, but it. It to me, it's. It's a low. It, it, it did a lot of low hanging fruit and that was unfortunate. Yeah. And it's like anyone I think who saw this and is like, Oh, you know, the characters are underwritten all that. It's like, what are you really coming to this movie for? Like, I think a lot of the super negative takes on this movie are kind of in bad faith. And they're the sort of letterboxed audience crowd who is like, Oh, I have to watch everything. Look how hard my life is. Thanks for wasting my time. Mortal Kombat. Yeah. It's like, no, you knew what you were watching. Like, like fuck off. You don't need to keep up with every new release. You're just some guy on the computer. So that's the way and you're just some guy on the computer. I love it's, it's one of those movies where, like I said, it's dumb entertainment, but I, if you think that you're, like you said, if you're thinking you're coming in, seeing the raid or even, you know, um, hard boiled or some kind of action movie that has some bigger meaning or artistic merit, then I don't know what to tell you. Uh, like it's not, it, it, you have to judge this movie, um, for what it is. Right. And I, to me, I, I enjoy this. I enjoy yeah, this. Yeah. And I think as far as a, a major studio release that is, entirely focused on like one-on-one fight scenes between people with kind of loosely defined superpowers. Um, like it ends up working pretty well. Like I appreciate that there's no like end game fight scene where like, Oh, we're all charging at each other. Like it's either like two V one or one V one, or there might be one where one fight in the uh, like training arena where there's two characters on each side fighting each other, but it is never like overwhelming to keep track of in the way that I think a lot of the hectic Marvel fights can feel. I'm with you on that. Like there's a sense of space, spatial awareness and, um, and honestly the, the, those big great grander fights are kind of short. Like they don't last a long time. Um, this movie is almost two hours long and it moves at a pretty brisk, brisk pace. Like I don't have a too many problems with the issue, uh, pacing issues with this movie. Um, Oh, yeah. And like you alluded to, like the story being tolerable. 
also worth noting that you could probably explain the entire story in two sentences. Um, like, aside from, like, the... Can we get into spoilers? Yeah, so so if you don't want to hear spoilers for Mortal Kombat, stop listening right now. All right, Drew. What are, what are, yeah, I mean, let's like, get into it. Aside from the whole, like, Arcana business, which I think is what I was annoyed with the most in this movie, because as far as I'm aware, that is not a a staple of the Mortal Kombat franchise that is just kind of invented for a movie like this. So we can explain how like, Oh, here's how a lady who's just good at punching and kicking <laughs> can shoot like purple lasers out of her arms. Um, and like for a lot of it, it's like, okay, Kano gets a laser eye, which he was already just like a, a badass, like ruthless mercenary before then he just could have had that. The whole Jax thing was like maybe the silliest scene in the entire movie where he has his like crappy robot arms and yeah like, oh they're too heavy but then the gods or whatever like oh no he must he must really want to lift this rock and then he gets like upgraded metal arms yeah, that right. were in there the entire time yeah like, what is this and then with uh sonya we don't even see it happen she just kills um uh kano who you know spoilers i guess turns on the main group which is also like like his character out of all of them kind of makes the least amount of sense and can just kind of do whatever the script needs him to do. Same as the case with the, uh, the lead here. You just said his name. It escaped me again. Cole young, right? Uh, Cole. Yeah. Cole. Um, shit. Hold on. Um, Cole young. Yep. You nailed it. Who, you know, while we're on the arcana thing, <laughs> his is like, Oh yeah, I get a cool shirt that, uh, lets me get punched a bunch. And then I'm, even better at fighting <laughs> and right and then uh, yeah i get i get a blade and a uh i don't I forget like a billy club or something those are my weapons and yeah like a battering ram and a baton or like yeah. the um like that spinny weapon that the stormtrooper has in a uh, force awakens yeah, yeah. the traitor guy yeah yeah exactly and you're just like okay like well i i just yeah and that was kind of the weird thing is introducing this new character and not giving him any kind of real unique power i i thought for sure he was going to somehow become scorpion i mean that's what it felt like we were going to right like he was in the lineage of that clan and so he was going to be uh he was going to be scorpion right i mean did you not feel like that's where we were headed it would make the most sense um yeah, I mean, ultimately, he just kind of feels like the, oh, here's the story mode, create a character. And since we have everyone else in this movie is like an established Mortal Kombat character, aside from his family, you can't really have Jax being like, oh, what's the Mortal Kombat? Yeah. Like, <laughs> you need to have somebody in this movie do It's like, what? This is insane. This can't be happening to me. Um, I like you need somebody in a movie like this to do that. And like, he it's that purpose i guess but just turn um, him into this just i mean i i don't understand I, I guess i just don't really understand having scorpion um come back from hell to, like it just it, it come was... back from hell and like speak english now <laughs> he, he spent the last 300 <laughs> years learning english like yeah what? learning english and learning how to throw a chain really cool it was just kind of silly right i don't know that was my opinion like i i th- that I understand kind of what they were doing here with and but if you're going to create a character out of thin air, just make him a little bit cooler. I guess is my you have like there's no you're not th- this is what's frustrating. You're not confined 
to follow a set of rules, right? So you're essentially creating your own character in a video game. What cool, awesome power are you going to give him? Uh, like you said, a, a, a shirt that gets powered up when he gets punched. I, I don't like and it. doesn't I, even look cool. Like he does look really silly um, when he's all kitted out. Like he's just wearing regular pants. It's like he's wearing an old Navy fitted tee or something. Like I don't, <laughs> yeah. I, I, yeah, I just didn't. Metal athleisure. Uh, I, and I, I do think they missed an opportunity to make Raiden a little bit more badass. I wanted to see more Raiden in this and see him be, they, they, they make an excuse of basically like he doesn't get involved in this right that's that like yeah the whole explanation there is like oh i can't uh, stop anyone from being killed uh regardless of realm like i can protect you but i can't interfere with um like your life in in that regard which like also doesn't really make a ton of sense because you're already preventing people from getting killed by creating like a A episode three bubble shield around them yeah right right exactly um i I will say on some enjoyable things, I actually, I actually really, really enjoyed the fight between um, Cole Young and Goro. Yeah, I thought that was one of the probably the better fight scenes, and it kind of came out of nowhere for me. Like I really wasn't expecting it, and I just was like, "This is kind of a badass fight scene." And there was felt like there was real stakes to it. Um, uh, And I, I will say that the the last fight scene in when everything is iced over was kind of, kind of fun to watch visually. I don't know that I feel the same way about the stakes in that, uh, as much, but, um, mm. those are two, it's probably my two favorite fight scenes, but the Goro one was, even though it was CGI, I didn't, it didn't feel like it was bad CGI. It felt really fluid and I, I, I really enjoyed it. Yeah, no, a hundred percent. Um, I do think how Goro is introduced, uh, that did make me laugh. It's just, um, <laughs> yeah. a lot of this movie is, characters uh saying their full catholic name <laughs> it's like uh who's the um, the other australian guy uh fucking oh, with a mask yeah who is kind of a badass character it doesn't cabal oh cabal yeah, yeah. Where he's like oh yeah me and me and kano go way back i'm gonna kill him he's the reason i'm down here and then all of a sudden they're like, bro, it's Prince Goro. Then immediately cut back to what the main characters are doing. Not even yeah. like the fight that he's about to be involved in. It's like they're having a conversation about like, oh, we need you to go kill everyone in Earth Realm. I, I used to be Kano's friend. It's Prince Goro. Who like the first time we've even heard that name uttered in this movie. They're all hyped, though. So like I'm happy for him. But right. It's so true. It's so funny. Oh, and the thing, the thing, the other, the kind of thing that kind of sucked, I guess I'm, I'm stuttering uh, right now. I would have liked to have seen Goro kick somebody's ass before he fought. Right. That, that feels like a, you know, like that's a boss level kind of thing. Yeah. Let him like rip a guy in half. Just like you have plenty of disposable characters from the Mortal Kombat universe. You could have introduced one more person to get their arms ripped off. Yeah. Or fuck it. Create another character for no, for just for him to get his spine ripped out or something. Right. Like rip out his wife's spine (laughs) or that. There you go. Or that little bratty kid. Right. Rip it out. Um, yeah, there is some, there is some questionable, uh, stuff in here though. I do think, uh, like the the fight scene i think it was okay so the spinning hat and the running the face through the spinning hat was 
uh, I, th- I thought it was interesting. Like, but then to follow that up with basically, uh, I can't remember the, who's the Bane bad guy. My my mind is completely blank right now. Um, that's a great question. Shang Tsung, um, Shang Tsung, right? That's, his, that's I think so. I was trying to get the cast list, but I got logged out of Letterboxd when they went down the other night. Oh. Letterbox. Yes, Shang Tsung, I'm pretty sure is a bad guy. Anyways, he he has that power where he sucks the souls out. And it just made, it made it so easy. Like he just grabs a guy by the throat and sucks his soul out. And it's like there's no there was no real fighting, right? There was he didn't fight back. He was like he was caught in this death grip. And it was kind of like, okay, well, this guy just cut this badass flying chick's head off with like his hat. Can he not summon summon his hat to cut his arm off? Like it just it was one of those things where they're like we we've got to make this character die because it's gonna, um, it's going to motivate the rest of the group to do something. Yeah, but we're not going to have it done in any interesting way. And it just felt like, I don't know. It just made Shang Tsung almost seem too powerful and not as like why doesn't he just do that to everybody? Why don't he just go grab anyone? Like if it's that he easy, he plenty of opportunities too. Right, and clearly he's not. Care, uh, worried about playing by the rules so exactly so why not just why doesn't he just do it to everybody i don't i don't get, I don't get it um i i don't think it's too, and i honestly don't think it's too much to ask for that kind of like logic from this movie no um, um yeah and i think the other i guess larger issue is that the rules there basically are none it's like oh yeah you have the arcana uh you'll get it when you need to i guess <laughs> Um, yeah, uh, sub zeros, but, and like, yeah, consistent with the game, like he's just an ice ninja. Um, it's like, seems like he could kill everyone really quickly if they just, if he just did what he did to Jax every time. Like, it feels right. like he has the chance to do that. It's like you establish the sort of like this insane threat with sub zero so early and then he like kind of gets easily dispatched every other time uh until it's convenient for the plot in the last fight where it's like okay now he's actually trouble <laughs> yeah right now now he's he's pissed off now his batteries are charged and he's 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 yeah, angry this time it's personal yeah i think that that's honestly the biggest issue with this movie is the consistency in character and power and um in honestly the the they try to make the sub zero uh, scorpion thing matter, and honestly, that those are obviously probably the two most popular characters, right? Those are the two characters from yeah. from the game that everybody loves to so the use. The Ken and Ryu of yeah, Mortal Kombat, exactly. And you know, it's kind of like you know, fire and ice. It's they're against each other. But, oh yeah, but there's no real like. I don't really. I just didn't really care like sub-zero yeah. just comes in and why is he why is he trying to kill this clan oh it's because uh they're the, of the mortal Kombat, the nether realm or whatever the fuck it's called like it just it does there's no real setup right it's it's just not the setup isn't real like it's they try to set it up they spend a lot of time trying to set it up but it just doesn't matter yeah and i think as far as my overall enjoyment of the movie went it also didn't really matter it's like okay there's some like 
they're talking. I'm like half paying attention. I don't feel like I'm missing too much. Oh, here's a cool fight. Now I'm paying attention. Like that's kind of the, the, the pattern of this movie. It's definitely one that you could like watch with people and like hang out and watch and be like, Oh damn, that was a sick fight scene. And then you're chatting. Like it's not like we said before, you're not coming here for like, super emotional character moments even if they do try it a couple times it's like oh my wife and kid are just standing there while i'm fighting a giant <laughs> four-armed green guy who came out of our barn right kind of, actually the the resolution of that fight too where he he kills goro and then he's like are you guys okay and his wife's like oh no we're fine like are you okay it's like no you should be like <laughs> just freaking out. Right. you should be gone like, <laughs> right you already kind of came to terms with the fact that your husband might die doing his mortal combat stuff a while ago <laughs> and now he comes back clearly you're in danger yes. like sub-zero's looking for you <sighs> now this big guy like get inside please holy god <sighs> that's so true um <laughs> no 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 we're worried about you it's like you, nah, lady. Like you, you have superhuman strength and and crazy weapons. Are, are you okay? <laughs> yeah, you were just sitting in a car that he almost squished. <laughs> oh God. Um, the one other thing I'll say about this film, and then uh, I guess we can start closing it out. Uh, unless you have more to talk about, I I really think that the 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 idea of having this as a trilogy. It's kind of a good idea, and it kind of works in their favor. Even though their setup of this film is basically to build on it and to make another film, I kind of like the idea that they that they went about this as saying, like, no, we're going to commit to making a trilogy. This first film is going to kind of explore the world. We're going to kind of get you used to it, and we're going to want you wanting more, and we're going to have that teaser at the end where it is, is Johnny Cage coming? Is he coming? Uh you know what I'm saying? Like, does that yeah, make sense? I like genuinely hope they make a million of these. And I like, you know, we spent, we've spent a lot of time talking resident evil on uh, this RSS feed, but you know, if they make like eight mortal Kombat movies, like 30 years from now, less time than that, uh, 15 years from now. And like one of them is the resident evil retribution of this franchise. And it's like, Holy shit. That was like, insanely creative and cool like the entire experiment will have been worth it and until then if they're all just like passable fun occasionally gross uh like combat arts movies i am fully on board for one of these every two years for sure yeah i I definitely am with you and i'm actually looking forward to the next one like i'm not like i'm not like like I'm not disappointed like Assassin's Creed after I left that movie I was like I I don't want to ever see another one of these like I'm never going to watch this movie again if they make a sequel I will not see it it's garbage this is a this is a movie that I want to see a sequel to and um it could have been better yeah we we just spent a lot of time shitting (laughs) shitting on it but at the end of the day I had a lot of fun like I I enjoyed myself I didn't I didn't regret watching it and that I think that's an improvement yeah, and I think it's it's one of those movies everyone can easily go like snarky cinema sins mode on and be like, "Well, oh, this is a plot hole." It's like that's like be an adult, like shut up, <laughs> just enjoy the movie for what it is. Like you're not Roger Ebert, you're not the script doctor for this thing. Like 
this is the movie we have. It's honestly exactly what anyone should have expected from watching the trailer. This did not pitch itself as anything it isn't. It delivered on the promise. Yeah. I guess didn't deliver on the promise of being a Mortal Kombat movie because we don't see the tournament. Mm-hmm. Um, the the titular Mortal Kombat tournament. But, you know, you want to see the Mortal Kombat characters fight. You want to see a couple fatalities where it's like, oh, that's the ice thing with the arms. That's the fatality where he splits the guy in half with the hat. And, like, that kind of fan service and also the fan service, apparently people want to hear someone go fatality or flawless victory <laughs> yeah. uh, for their own kills. Yeah. Like, sure, it's stupid, but, like, it. this is a campy movie and it's not pretending to be, like, anything it isn't. So it's a stupid thing to get mad at. And I, yeah, and like you were saying earlier, I think maybe ultimately this being a dump to streaming movie at least in large part will have helped the sequel in the long run because a lot more people probably saw this for free and not for free but like with their hbo max subscription than would have seen it in theater and that's every one of those people is now somebody who potentially if you know they liked it enough will see oh mortal kombat 2 is coming out oh you know go check that one out in the theater when theaters inevitably or hopefully are operating at like full capacity again in the near future so and i think ultimately might have worked out well for him yeah and i think it's um i think it's it's honestly been a really beneficial relationship for hbo max to release movies like this and godzilla versus uh, kong like it gets you kind of psyched up for a sequel right like yeah the last godzilla movie the first Godzilla I enjoyed. The last one, King of Monsters, is that I think was that what it was called. That was thought. Yeah, that one was no good. It was just kind of boring, right? Yeah. Um, the Godzilla versus Kong that was entertaining, and I was like, okay, this is uh, this is what I expect from this universe, right? Significantly less Boston in Godzilla versus Kong, though. So that a little disappointing true. on that front, but. Because and to be frank, I, I, we're not turning this into a Godzilla vs Kong review, but they they made that movie about the monsters instead of about the humans, which you know is always. But Mortal Kombat teaches us, Brian. There's a monster inside all there's of a us, monster inside and you just all have to feel upset enough to get your Arcana, <laughs> and you'll get a laser eye. Yes, yes, I want that laser eye, right? Uh, man, just can you imagine having a laser eye? seems like uh be the bane of your existence they don't there's no training montage where he's figure oh like he wakes up in the morning and accidentally like blasts a hole in the ceiling feels like there would be a really difficult learning curve like we've seen this with cyclops and x-men um doesn't usually work out super well for the people who have it but you know if elon musk or some other freak wants to uh (laughs) develop like a contact lens or like an app on my phone that gives me a laser eye accidentally cut your finger off yeah, I I see nothing that could go wrong. Like, oh, you're uh, getting off a plane and seeing your mom for the first time in a year, and you just like <laughs> vaporize her head. Sorry, mom. Trying to explain to the TSA, no, this is my laser eye. I can't take it out for the flight. You're just gonna have to tell the pilot to, uh, you know, knock if you buck, deal with it, man. Knock if you buck. Oh shit! All right, well, I think that's gonna do it for our review of Mortal Kombat. Um. We, we we mentioned maybe reviewing uh before your eyes uh next week that that's a good possibility 
any other anything else up your sleeve? We need to. We definitely need to come up with a calendar. We, that we do, talked about. Yeah. Um, but is there any? There's no real movie releases uh, on deck. There is that uh, movie that came out today, I think, um, on Amazon. Is it Amazon? The Michael B. Jordan, Tom Clancy movie. Um, oh yeah. Um, I think that came out on Amazon Prime today. Are um, people liking it? I haven't heard much. I honestly didn't even. I, it kind of like just popped up. I'm a Michael B. Jordan fan. Um, I don't know that I'm a Tom Clancy fan. Um, but he's dead, right? Yeah, I think so. They, do we, do we have the wait? Did we have this time. conversation before? I feel like this conversation happened on here. I think we might have. <laughs> is Tom okay? No, is Tom Clancy dead? Let's find out. I'm gonna use the Google machine right now. Um, it, I always see Tom Clancy and John Grisham mix. I know that Tom Clancy's like the guy who was like predicted like world, um, not world wars, but like issues in foreign policy and stuff they um, also put his name on every single ubisoft action game that they can't figure out what else to attach <laughs> yeah. it to it's like oh yeah tom clancy's the division yeah right rainbow six he is dead rest in peace tom clancy he died in uh 2013 so damn so we saw tom clancy's a uh, splinter cell blacklist <laughs> Release. oh when when in 2013 that was a september release i want to say great game great was it a great game i don't know I... yeah splinter cell blacklist oh, I, I played it relatively recently backwards compatible on the xbox that's a great stealth action game he People died want to check it out he died october 1st oh thank god i hope he liked it um i'm sure he did um and the millions of, of millions of dollars that he now brought in for his family um but anyways, so there's that there's that movie that's out, so that's a possibility. Um, other than that, it's Slim Pickens right now, unless we want to go into the time machine and review an older movie. So we'll talk about that. I'll try to um, I'll try to get that put into the actual show notes because uh, I'm not going to um, load this up tonight. This will be loaded up in a couple days. Um, anything else, Drew? Before we move on and leave the show in the dust, I think we've both set our piece on on everything we've talked about this episode. It's been a productive hour. Yeah, it's a great episode. Thank you once again for listening to the Midnight Film Review. We will catch you on the flip side. See ya.